right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. All right, we back. Episode 27. We back at it again. How you doing today? Yay, yay. I also think we're on 2-8. Are we on 2-7? We're, we're on 2-7. Okay. Okay. My bad. I thought it was two A's. So I gotta, as you're talking, you know, I gotta look for me a new athlete. But yeah, no, no, man, we don't. no, we don't. Two seven. I mean, here, I'm wearing a jersey. Look, here, here's your hint. If you want to start with one, it's a, it's a. We're talking baseball players. It's the I only guarantee. two seven. It's the only two seven that matters. Uh, there's one from New Jersey that I'll I'll give an honorable mention to. But correct, he's not even the 27 for the Angels that I want to talk about. No, I, I'm talking about. I didn't say we're not talking best. We're talking favorites. I think that's, that's the difference because the best is a different one. Our favorite is, is it, there's a few. I'm like, my, my favorite is probably 27. a twin. My, 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 my favorite is probably a twins number 27, but that's not why I love him. So I'm, I, he won't be the one I discuss. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I used to have that baseball card too, like back in the day. And I was like, this is insane. Cause I didn't know he played yeah. for somebody else. I was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting times. But yeah, they, they, who, they is, your, who is your athlete, athlete man? Uh, I'm, I'm going Vladdy Sr. Light work. You know? No, no batting gloves, gang, all day. It, that's how you know a real ball player. A real, real ball player is no batting gloves. And I've no also bat- never, never seen someone make such good contact on worse pitches than Vladdy Sr. That's a fact. Scientific. Literally. There is no such thing as a bad pitch if you hit it though. So it's true. I feel like I feel like Vlad <clears throat> could be either the greatest percentage baseball player ever, or he was what he was, which is one of the most exciting baseball players ever. Like I think that Vlad could have had not the same amount, but he could have had very close to a Barry Bonds like walk percentage in his career. Not the same amount of numbers because he didn't play that long. But I think his walks would have been high because he knew what was happening like he didn't have a bad eye because you have to have a good eye to hit obvious balls pitch like bounced. where they were trying to walk yeah. you. I mean, he would have been the greatest cricket player of all time been the greatest cricket player of all time that's a, an amazing call i think vlad vlad guerrero senior is the kind of dude that to me no matter what he chose to do we were going to love him. Like he could have been a handyman and somehow we would have figured out, found out about him. Like he would have been just mm-hmm. that dope of a human being. He could never be just some mediocre person, especially, especially when you realize that he has such a, a love for the game that he would play whenever. Like I remember seeing like footage of him in the Dominican Republic, just doing bad in practice with the youngins just because like, yeah, you know, I know I made a few, probably a hundred million dollars, but I'm going to show y'all what's going on out here. Seeing him at like spring training, seeing him uh, like it's just he even when Vlas Jr. came in, I saw them taking batting practice together. Yeah, taking batting batting practice together. Like that's some dope shit. Yeah, and they were doing that way back in the day, too. Like that was that was the dope part with Vlad at the All-Star game the last couple of years is like them showing him at the All-Star game with his dad when he was six, seven years old. Not even. For our age group, was the first ones we saw like that the Griffies, or was it the Fielders? Um, I mean the Griffies came first. I, I mean the Griffies were even like probably like a little bit before me. Like I never saw a senior play. I don't think. 
I mean, it was like there's a few baseball families, the Ripkins, the Griffies, um, the Fielders, like you said. Like those were the big ones. And then now like this Blue Jays team, the current Blue Jays team is just full of them um, with Vladdy, Biggio, and Bichette. I was like, that, that's the first – that's the first sports team where I'm like, damn, I feel old. Like when Jason Tatum was ripping it up at, you know, 19 or when guys come in the NBA at 18, 19 and just tearing it up, like that doesn't throw me off. But when I'm like, damn, I watched all of your dad's play, like a good bit of their career I watched. Like that's what throws me off. Dope too, because they're not just players. Like these guys have like real, real talent, especially Vladdy Jr., but, you know, Vlad Guerrero Sr., uh, on my all-time favorite team, like he's going to be slotted in somewhere in that starting lineup. He also, to me, to me, was the first one I saw that was Dominican or even Latin specifically to actually bring that type of flair to the game, like where the big chewing tobacco, sometimes be like sugar cane, the uh, dreadlocks, the no gloves. I know Moises. Yeah, he brought the jerry curl too. Like he had, he hit every hairstyle. It was like him and Pedro were doing it around the same time, where they where we were going yeah. everything from a fro to the Jerry. I feel around. like he was the first player I've ever seen do bat and bat and practice to like Caribbean music. Like he was just a different kind of dude. It was That's just true. like Vladdy was like the the Alus also were a family yep. in baseball. That's another one. They used to piss on their hands. That's why they didn't wear batting gloves because it made it like leather. I don't know if Vlad ever said he did that, but. Vladdy, man, Vladdy would be in every pickup baseball game. Like if, if the MLB made a made a street version of a video game, Vlad Guerrero would probably be on the cover. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good call, because the other thing was like I, I if there had been like a skills challenge where it's like suddenly they have to hit bottle caps with a stick. I'm picking Vladdy all day. Is Vladdy the most naturally gifted player of our lifetime? I don't know. I mean, Trout is pretty naturally gifted. Um, Vladdy had more of an athletic build. I don't. I don't know that he was more naturally gifted. Um, Who would he compare to in a different sport? Like if, if Vladimir Guerrero was a different person in a different sport, who would he be? Um. I, I think actually an interesting one would be Steph. Where it's like Steph can sh- or Steph or Lillard, maybe. Where it's like they can shoot from 40, but you're never like, that's a bad shot for them. You know what I mean? Where like he would swing at everything and be like, no, but he he can do that. Like if anyone else swung at the pitches he swung at, we'd be like, why is why are you chasing that? But it never felt like a chase to him. So like I think he's gotta be one of those dudes where it's like in basketball, as soon as they cross half court and they pull up, it, it's all good. See, all right, so this is what I'm going to say then. Since you said Steph, I'm going to switch it a little bit. I'm going to say it's Dame because yeah. Vladdy was never the he didn't best win. player. Yeah. He didn't never win, like, the MVPs like that. He didn't. That, that's that's why Dame came to mind was the qualifier of, like, mm-hmm. you weren't the guy. One of the guys. And Dame has a personality that the other players like a lot, the different personalities. But people yep. be rooting for Dame. Like, people love to see Dame win. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk shit about Vladimir Guerrero. Like, ever. Like, ever. No. I've never. I, I He's a, one of those very beloved guys, especially. Um, I, I liked it. I, I Googled, why did Vlad wear no batting gloves? And I liked that one of the first results 
was a Reddit post that says, did Moises Alou piss on his hands or was that just an urban legend? I think it was real. I remember hearing it when the Cubs almost made the World Series. Uh, no, yeah. Everyone's like, no, nah, it's real. <laughs> this one. I've, he heard really his former, I've heard his former teammates confirm in interviews, but never heard it from him. Sounds like something he would do, though. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that 100%. <laughs> and someone's like, uh, if you pay attention, you'll notice that he never high fives any of his teammates. Because <laughs> nobody wants to touch his hands. That's like, that, see, to me, that's the same thing as Steve Nash. It's like, dog, you licking the fuck out this ball. Like, we got to we gotta figure something out. This isn't your ball. Like, this is not your ball. This is all of our ball right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be ball dominant. Bad. 27, Vlad, I was kind of surprised. 27, very strong baseball number all around. Juan Marichal. Like, I'm not going to count Ortiz in that, but, like, yeah. like th- there's a guy that is going to go down as one of the greatest players ever, like, Barnum, maybe the greatest player ever. Shout him out, man. Shout him out. Yeah, Millville, right? Millville zone? I think so, yeah. Philadelphia Eagles fan. Michael Trout, season ticket holder. Yeah, yeah. And Mike Trout is, I mean, if he stops, if he, last year was weird because he got hurt, but because he never gets hurt like that. But if he actually stays healthy for like the next five years, I think you can already argue him as being the greatest player if he does the same production for five more years. Because it's so historic. It was what, like, was it three MVPs in his first five seasons or something like that? Like, it's insane. He's like never finished lower than like fourth or something in voting if he's played. Or no, maybe he finished once. He finished like eighth his rookie year. And in modern day, I think the only people. Do they have to retire that number twice, you think? Hmm. Like, in, in retrospect, it's kind of crazy to think that they gave it out again. Whereas, like, a lot of teams won't give out. Like, it's not like the Yankees were ever going to give out two. No. Like, the Red Sox never gave out 45. Like, when Chris Sale came, they were like, yeah, you can't wear Tim Wakefield's number. Like, teams yeah. do that. Like, it's kind of crazy to think that the Angels didn't do that for Vlad. But you know what I think it was, though? The Angels were owned by Disney, I believe. And I think that they weren't, they didn't have like that type of franchise. Like if it was the Dodgers, if it was the Red Sox, if it was the Yankees, if it was teams that actually won things and had like historic teams, I think they would care more about celebrating the players who played for them. But I think that because it was just a franchise that was pretty marginal throughout their entire time. Then if you think about Vlad, he played for almost all marginal teams. Like it was like he played for the Expos, he played for the Angels, two teams that don't like, like the Nationals in theory should retire his number or put him in a ring of honor if he's not already there. Like, and it's like they're probably not gonna do that either because he didn't technically play for the Nationals. He played for the Expos, even though they moved there and was the Nationals. So it's a weird thing. Like Vladdy played on those franchises that probably didn't deserve him. That's probably why they got such high picks in farm systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he I mean, they both won Derby. That's pretty sweet. But it's like he also, like, just missed all these great teams. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never really thought about it where I was like, wait, was he on that 02 team? I was like, no, he came in 04. Or, mm-hmm. in, you know, was he on that 94 Montreal team? No, he came up in 96. Mm-hmm. Like, he just missed so many of these teams where he would have – I mean, 94 is different because of the strike. But, like, 02, he, you could have argued – I mean, if he was on that team in 02, they would have been even more dominant because he had mm-hmm. – he led the league. Did he win MVP? He, oh, no, because he was in the NL. So it had mm-hmm. to have been either Pujols or Bonds. But, 
I mean, he led the league in total bases and, and had 40 stolen it. bases. He was one home run from a 40-40 year. And if you think about it, too, with him, he's one of, what, 5% of great hitters in that era who nobody ever said did steroids? Mm-mm. So his yeah. numbers should it's, even it's be like, greater it, than they are. It's crazy because his stats hitting are unreal. And then you, you take into account that, like, that may – I would argue it's probably not the best part of his game. That's because I'm a defense. I was a defensive minded player and played a lot of right field because I had a strong arm and I wanted to be like Vlad when that happened. I just wanted to launch it. I just wanted to launch it every single time. That's why I have arm issues now, but like (laughs) I used to just launch it trying to be like Vlad. Dude, Vlad literally, in my personal opinion, had the most lively arm I've ever seen in my life. And the reason I say anybody is because he threw it so hard and he looked like he was throwing it so hard and it was always so accurate at the same time and so far dude it was was like i've never seen a ball go that far where it felt like it was going so fast the entire time yeah like it was like a rocket shit it was like he was like good luck good luck whoever has to catch that because like that and that's what's so dope about him so you'll say his arm is his best feature I th- I think so. I, for me it was, but I was always very biased because like that was my best trait as a young baseball player was my arm mm-hmm. being better than most people's. So like I always really had an affinity for those players. Like I always preferred watching him, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, Yadi Molina, like mm-hmm. kind of those strong arm catchers or outfielders that would just gun people out from wherever. So I always mm-hmm. had an affinity and and would kind of go towards them. So for me, yes. You know, but the other thing again was like he was able to hit any pitch, no matter where it was, no matter if it bounced, if it was above his head, like everything so, was in the zone for him. So let me ask you this: Would his hitting be even more incredible? Do we view it as more incredible historically if he didn't swing at almost everything, or do we view it that incredibly because he swung at almost everything and still put up those numbers? I think it's the latter. I I, th- I don't I don't think it would. I mean, his numbers would look better, but mm-hmm. would it be as memorable and as iconically unique? I don't think it would. Um, like I think it was the fact that it was like it didn't matter where you threw the ball to him, he was gonna just rip it, grip it and rip it, let it go, see what happens. And usually things worked out for the better, mm. which n- yeah. very very few people can say. I don't few know if any, that, yeah, actually. few of yeah, any, yeah, because like, we, because we, we, most of the people who in baseball history get this kind of love are the most fundamentally sound players. Like they're the ones that is like, this is how you play the game, and he's a five-two mm-hmm. player. Because Vladdy played like a kid in a backyard. Yeah, he he was pure electricity on the baseball field. Yeah, like, there for, was never a boy. If he was me, if he was making a play offensively or defensively, there was never a dull moment. No. And he, for better or worse, helped usher in, I think, the pine tar helmet. <laughs> like, I think Vlad. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't. He, he was Dude. not giving any free ads to the team he was on. Not at all. He probably, I think Vlad's hats had pine tar on him when he wasn't even playing. I think he was just sitting there like, I just want to, you know, get, get the feel. See what's going yeah, he, on with he, he, Among stars, like, because I can certainly think of, like, some role, more role player type guys that had that uh, type of, uh, late laid out uh, pine tar on everything. Um, 
But in terms of stars of that generation, there really weren't many. Mm-mm. I mean, he needed it because he wasn't, he didn't have anything on his hands apart from maybe piss allegedly, but we don't know. You know what's funny? I, w- I wouldn't even be shocked if Vlad was like, I never even used it. Like, I just, I like the way it felt. It was a superstition yeah. of mine. So, like, I like to know that it's there. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me I never me even all. used it. Yeah, he probably, it probably wasn't even his helmet. He probably borrowed it from somebody else. and was just like, I'm always forgetting my helmet. Who got the closest? Nah, it was definitely him. his. We, we wouldn't have known if <laughs> anyone else was using that helmet. <laughs> we we would have known. Hey, who, who's seen Vlad's helmet? I don't know. It's the one that you can't see the logo. It's the one stuck to the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Stuck Vladdy, again. man. Shout Legendary. out to Vlad. Super legend. Super duper. I, I legend. miss Vlad. I miss Vlad. I really do. Another person who I think somehow could dodge AIDS. Like, I feel like Vlad could tell us he never wore a condom. We'd be like, well, of course, AIDS wouldn't affect you. You're Vladdy. What you, what you mean? Like, I just think that and this, yeah. is, this is pre production conversation, but it's something I want to bring up randomly. We don't have to talk about it yet, but. We're going to play a little percentages game. No, I, I think we, we can get in there. We, <laughs> we can get into right it in. now. Yeah, we start at the right bottom in. or the top. Do we want to go straight to the AIDS or we want to try to figure out other percentages? <laughs> well, I mean, now you said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll start at the boss level and work our way down. So I was talking to Ivan today, and for, for whatever reason, I thought, I thought about all the times that I was really afraid to get AIDS. Like, like, like not like, oh... I did this unprotected thing with somebody I've known for a while. And I tr- no, like you wake up the next day and you start looking up the symptoms like you're going to get it that morning kind of thing. And I said in my entire life, I'm at like a 2% when I was super worried. And I asked him, what's a, like a, a reasonable percentage to be super worried about AIDS? <laughs> and what was your percentage? Yeah, I mean, like I think somewhere in that two to four range is probably where you want to be. <laughs> and, like, anything, anything above five, you're like, all right, we need to do a little bit of self-reflection. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it is a numbers game, so it's like, okay, well, how many, you know, uh, encounters, entanglements, if you will, you know, how many, how many people have you really been worried about? So, like, you know, there is percentages, and, and you leave a little room for error. I, if anyone says zero, that needs self-reflection, um, because like, yeah. you should always be a little worried. Like it, you know, maybe, maybe not on the fore, you know, forefront of your brain, but like it's there, it's a possibility, statistically Absolutely. speaking. Absolutely. Statistically speaking. So if you say zero, one, I don't trust you. Two, you know, you know what's crazy? If you, ha- I looked this up, so I cheated. What percentage of the world has AIDS or HIV? I feel like it's probably less than one percent. It's point one percent. Yeah. So the odds of you actually getting it is super, super, super like. We don't even vaccinate. But are we, are we factoring 1%. in the factorial of how dumb Americans are? Of course we are. I feel like I feel like that's definitely. See, but that's why in. you know that point one is not like what is it for Americans? You say it's lower than it's that. More, really? I think it's I think it's maybe more, than more that. sexual education. I guess is the idea. Yeah, there. because it's more active in in third world countries and rural places than it is in like America. I think America they don't America have the definitely has the AIDS. It. Don't get me wrong. I think we're fifth yeah. in the world or something like that in AIDS <laughs> or like HIV. Okay, top five, baby. Pieces. Almost top five, baby. All day, every day. So what we do unless we're talking about USA Olympic teams. But it is one of these things where like, and then I asked Ivan. I was like, okay, that's the critical percentage. You said two to four percent. I said I think I'm at 10% when I was moderately worried. What's a what's a fair and reasonable moderate worry for the HIV? Um 
I think probably. So yeah, all your numbers seemed fair. Like ten felt high, but like in hindsight, like I could understand it. Like I, I guess if I had to give a general range that if we're starting at five of where like severe worry is like maybe a bit of a self-reflecting point, I'd say like five to 12, maybe mm. like of an eighth of the, eh, I don't know. An eighth of the time seems like an awful lot to be moderately See, worried about but, HIV. But, but remember we said this before pre-production, we have never gotten or re- or given oral sex with any type of protection. Like I've never been like, That's Hey, pass me that dental dam. I've never put on a condom to get like it. That has never happened. So you can get it from somebody's that's, mouth. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe five to twelve, five to fourteen. If if you're a little more out there, like and anything, we, I, I think there's there's a that multiples of five. That next multiple five is like, <laughs> like if you're like fifteen percent of the time that I engage in any sexual encounter, I'm worried about getting HIV. That's that's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> like 14 seems so much lower than 15 in that regard <laughs> like, you, know, you know what i mean <laughs> like, like there's something about that one that one extra integer that one uh, digit where you're like mm, i think it might be a problem now all right so last one when it results to the hiv what is a reasonable percentage to have thought after the fact this person will probably get hiv one day like what like what nasty ass people what percentage of the nastiness I, can you get into before you just like I got to change my life uh <laughs> if 20% of the people you have in sex with you look at and like I can see you getting HIV one day that dude, that, that, that one I think spot? can be such a wider range like, <laughs> I, I, I think there's also like a qualifier for like what point in your life are you at like are you in college and you go to like ASU cuz then it's probably like 45 like, if you're hanging out in, like, Tempe, Arizona at Arizona State, like, if you were, like, yeah, 45% of people, it's like, yeah, it's probably going to happen at some point. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'd be like, all right, that makes sense. You know, maybe not HIV, but, like, you're going to get something that's going to be probably with you <laughs> oh, for so life. Getting something is, like, an 85% chance. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. You can get HPV just from getting a lap dance. Like, I feel like. <laughs> like uh, I would say the second it hits you know, again, it's that multiple five. <laughs> if you were to be like 29% of the time, you're like that person that they're going to get something bad someday. <laughs> Somehow that's well, so much less worse than 30 to me. I think and, 30 and, is a big one. That It's that and, crooked number really throws and you. I think, <laughs> and I think it's our generation. I think it's the millennial generation's yep. fault while we think like this. Because like I have, I know people and I may have been one of these people at a point in time in my life not consistently, but I might have dabbled in this lifestyle where like we ask people, are they on the birth control pill before we ask them, do they have STDs? Like we, we worry about getting a baby before we worry about syphilis. Like, and it's just and, like, and the, uh, and the other thing, you know, cause we discussed that a little bit in pre-production. The other thing is like, even if you do ask, there's no proof. They're going to be like, yeah, no, no one's going to be like, no one's gonna be like, actually now I'm going to need to see that test result. And I'm going to need a new fresh test result from within the last three days. Homie, I've never seen anybody's test results, and I've been in many relationships. I just, I just believe them. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, they told me I'm negative." I'm like, word. Like, I don't. Like, I've never asked for the paperwork. <laughs> you're, 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 we're out here living life. Like, you know, when people joke, where be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna live forever." And it's like, "What do you mean?" And be like, "Well, I haven't died yet, so like, I'm at a good pace." Like, that's how we're really treating this thing, <laughs> dude. I started getting mines printed out and given to me. Like, they'll call me because, like, and why do doctors do this shit? I don't know if you're start getting them laminated. 
<laughs> put them on a fridge like a report card like I, yeah get little not, business cards made and be like it you know clean sense yeah dog my doctor tell my doctor's office so it's multiple people who do this in my doctor's office, it's the entire office they tell you when they take your blood and they're testing you for anything whether it be scds um high class whatever it's gonna be they'd be like if we don't call you you're okay and i'm like the fuck does that like mean? something a little bit more concrete would be nice and, and what's the day range like should I be like keep worrying after five days, the ninety day like, period? Yeah, yeah. Like they just like if we don't call you, you're fine. And I was like, but what if I call you? It was like, like so like if you don't call me today, I'm good. Like yeah, I'm like you know how you know how crazy it is to like. Also, I've, it's I've a fully digital that. world. Just email me my results or put them in some I, secure message center that I can just download and know for sure. Ivan, I've sat there when a girl peed on a stick to see if she was pregnant, and that's a long fifteen minutes. So you telling me days are going to buy where I'm like, are you going to call me yep. and tell me I got the clap? Like, no. it's wild. Have you ever seen anybody's actual physical things no. of their of their? I've never, never seen it. No, there's but a I lot get of good faith. Now. There's a lot, a of, lot good of good faith. faith, dog. And we pretend like we don't trust anybody in this world. We be trusting. We be trusting a lot. Well, like, it's a lot. Of I'm trust. glad you brought that up because this is something I've been thinking about a little bit. Um I don't know, the last few months, because I've been doing a lot of driving. Like I drove back from Texas to Massachusetts. Like I've been going in the office a little bit where it's like a 45 minute drive, you know, to an hour. So I got a lot of time to think. And one of the things I was thinking about, because I, I think it was brought up on some podcast I must have been listening to. It's like, like you said, we like to act like we don't trust anyone. The amount of trust that we have just in our daily lives is insane. Every single time that you get in your car, you're trusting everyone else on the road about this for fucking three months straight <laughs> ivan and i can't get it out of my fucking head like it's it's crazy like, you it's said that. Crazy. we've never spoken about that you, you you go get food you're trusting that they didn't put some shit in your food you're every trusting time. The, the fast food clerk you can't name one person in any fast food restaurant you've ever met you can't name their real name you just the only up, like, one i know is because i knew he worked there and i was like oh i'll pay him a visit this is in like high school. And it's like, he's probably not the one handling my food anyway. Dude, it's insane. How you know it's not bleaching your milkshake? Like, we just we just be, like, taking Think about how people. much people must probably hate their hour, hourly jobs at fast food place. Wh- who's to say that that one person didn't snap this day and be like, I'm poisoning everyone that comes in here? Remember the Tylenol uh, cyanide situation? Nah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh! Like, dude, it's crazy how you much you put into our know. body without thinking it. Like, without no thought like you know how people was like i'm not taking a vaccine i don't know what's in it i'm like you did cocaine before like i know you've way, done you cocaine. know I, I saw this today there was a tweet and i think it's the best argument for how people should know that they can trust especially the pfizer vaccine which is not the one that i have but it was very funny he's like dog you think pfizer's gonna try and kill you with their vaccine no they're trying to keep you alive long enough that you have to use viagra and make them more Ooh. money See, these, this is logic. Now we're using logic. It's like the yeah, shit we do on like, an everyday you're, basis. You're not a better consumer. You're not a better customer to them if you're dead. The shit we do on an everyday basis is not logical. Like, I've never brought in a second person to inspect my apartment for, for mold. I just assume it doesn't have it. I'll be like, all right, hopefully I don't die in here. Like, we yeah. just be putting it all on. the Like, the car thing, literally, I've been thinking about three straight months. And I try, I keep trying <laughs> to shake it. And I can't. Maybe it's because I've been hit no, by the, a car before. But, like, it's The more just, you think about it, like. I, I, I didn't think about it today on my drive up, but at the same time, like any time, any time, like, cause I, I don't know. I, I'm always weird about it. Cause it pops into my head at the most random times, which is always, if I'm in like the left lane and there's an empty middle lane, 
when that person merges right next to me from the right lane and the center lane, I'm like, what's to say that you're not paying attention? You're going a little too far and clip me. And or or even a crazier one. Nobody's you're not that person is not merging into the lane next to you. They're merging in your lane and they don't clip your bumper and spin you out. And now you're right. facing all of the traffic. Like there's so much that could happen on the road. Like, and it's, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. Think about tomorrow. this, man. All I'm going to think can, about. Can you, can you name one? Can you give me the first name? You don't even got to give me the whole name. Give me the first name of any pilot you've ever had on a plane. None. And Shit is I'm, crazy, and, man. And I've flown a lot. Like when I was at Joe's, anytime I went home, I was flying. That is fucking insane. And I think that that but, logic. And like at the same time, it's so crazy because like, like I think about my logic. I'm also like, I'm not flying spirit. But I was like, I mean, I was like, what? How big of a difference is it when I still don't know the individual that's no, flying no the American I flight? I, I just literally told my students this to other like this was like a month ago. I was like, there are some things in this world that you just should not skip out on price wise like you should not take the cheapest of you can take a, a something reasonably cost i'm not saying you got to fly first class you don't got to fly like a private airplane you don't got to do none of that shit but if your airplane only has two rows of seats if your airplane don't have no seat belts which it actually exists in this world if it if it costs you 60 dollars to go to europe yo just Bump it out a little bit, dog. Like, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth that. Yeah, that's safety. how I feel. I'm be like, hmm, I could fly Spirit for, like, 90. This is when I was in Texas. So I was looking at flights a lot to either go to Philly or Boston, whatever it was. And But now, I'm, you know, I, I would just get to the point where it's like, hmm, I could go, like, 120 round trip on Spirit. And, like, probably in the age of COVID, like, it comes with the virus when you get on the plane. Like, they give you your pretzels, they give you your water, and they give you a little bit of the virus. Um, like, that's just how I was jokingly envisioning it. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'd so much rather pay just $300 to take American. I really uh, would. If, like, if that every, peace of mind, like, that's the thing, that's the thing with everyone, everything. All these circumstances, peace always. of mind is fucking priceless. It's priceless. If every, if every seat on your airplane is the emergency row, Bump that shit up a little bit, dog. Like pay that extra hundred, extra hundred and fifty. Like that. Yeah, like, shit you want to get serious. on the plane where you're like, damn, this is, you know, this is one of their plans that doesn't have TVs. When that's the downgrade and it's still fine, but you're like, ah, I wish they had the TVs behind every seat instead of just the main one. That's the plane you should be taking, dog. If if halfway through the flight they're asking people do they want to volunteer to steer the plane for a couple of seconds for 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 giggles, bump that <laughs> like shit up a little bit, like a boat tour. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they taking volunteers to be the stewardess on the plane bump that shit up a little bit man like it ain't worth unless you're getting paid a little more unless you're getting your money back by getting paid the money that you're going to save ain't worth you possibly having a, a aneurysm on this plane like that's fair that that, that's like I, yeah i've never flown spirit i've never flown frontier it's like i will always just pay for JetBlue or american because that's the other thing if you're traveling splurge a little bit yeah, live life, man. Within live your means, but it's also like if you can't. It's like I hate to say it this way, but like if you can't afford to bump it up just that little bit more, you probably shouldn't be traveling. Probably shouldn't be traveling. <laughs> probably shouldn't <laughs> be traveling. Fact. Like that's just we got to start being. Or get in your car and trust everyone on that route. That's why I travel with where you know me. I shop at two a.m. I go grocery shopping at two a.m. because ain't nobody Facts. outside. I'm like, yo, Facts. we'll get these groceries and come back to the crib and make it home safe. But like, I think that we got to start being way more honest with ourselves. 
like I remember Chris Rock said something that's so real, but we need to apply it to regular life. He was like, when I go talk to, to talk in my kids' classrooms and they and all of these people are like, you can be whatever you want to be. You can just got to work. He said, bullshit. Some of y'all going to be janitors. Some of y'all going to be my trash, man. Some of y'all might end up being do doctors and lawyers and policemen, but the world don't work like that. Like we ain't all destined to be something that we look at as great. So you got to play your position. I think that's the mm -hmm. same in everyday life, man. We got to stop pretending like we are better than we are. We got to stop out here looking rich instead of being rich. We got to stop pretending like we actually have money to burn. And then you realize you don't have food for a week. Like the world would be so much a better place. But at the same if time, like how much better would the world be if we just appreciated the fact that we like, you know how people joke me like, oh, it's another day above grounds. Good day. You know, it's like, but that's mm -hmm. real. If you like think if the more you think about it, the more you appreciate life. Whereas like, you know, we were talking, you know, with the HIV conversation, it's like, how many times were you like genuine? Like what percentage of your life were you genuinely in fear of death? Like mm -hmm. you'd be like almost run over by a car or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But like, you know, the more we talk about this, People are like, oh, I've never had a near-death experiences. Fuck yes, you have. Every time you got yeah. in your car, that's a near-death experience. You realize how fast you're going? It all takes is one bad person that day. You're driving a done. weapon at, at at average 45 miles per hour. Or if it's you know how fast 45 miles per hour is? Yeah. Do you know how fast? For, even like 30. 30 miles per hour is crazy. Like most, we, most people we, can't throw a baseball that fast. Dog, we marveled at Usain Bolt for being like the fastest man ever. I don't think he's ever clocked 30 miles an hour. Like that shit no, is insane. No, there's like an elite club of people that can run on a treadmill for 10 seconds at 20. It's insane. And we get into these weapons and then we hope everybody else has control of their weapons. And we also take a test once our entire life. It's like a fucking library card. Once you actually fill yeah. out the form, you pass it. You have it for life until it gets pulled out of and your every, cold, and, and drunken <laughs> hands. And the and the weapons just keep getting more and more complex with more and more distractions. I think it should be illegal. I think Tesla. I want my next car is going to be a Tesla. That's my goal. But I think Tesla That's should be goal. illegal to a certain extent because they're too quiet. Like I need to hear what the fuck is going on. So like if I'm yeah. about to cross, if I'm jaywalking, right, and I'm not supposed to jaywalk, whatever. But if I'm jaywalking and I can't hear a car going sixty miles an hour towards me, what happens if the automatic brake fails? What happens, like, because shit fails, like, that's, shit happens. Like, sometimes it's Why like shit a, gets uh, recalled in cars. And and it could be a head-on head, like, like a, a one-two impact where you don't have an automatic brake for that typically. Like, literally, it happened too quick for it to react. So it becomes this thing where you're taking away one of my senses, and now you put my life in more danger. And if we're talking about near death or are we just talking about generally afraid to die, I think those are two different percentages for me. So what are yours? Um, The times that I've, felt near death is probably under one percent like in terms mm -hmm. of my actual life I, I think most people probably is of like where the like i don't know actually though because like I'm, I'm one of those weird people where i'm like even in like my nice safe suburb I'm like i walk at night and be like ah, anyone could be right behind me right now mm -hmm. so like again it wasn't like i grew up in north philadelphia where like naturally speaking it happens a little bit more but yeah no i was still at fear of it when i had no reason to be um afraid to die way more than that because i'm an overthinker my greatest fear uh, like from a young age like for whatever reason and i don't know if this is make is different for me um i don't know that you're also the best barometer for me to explain this to to like see how people feel because i know uh your thoughts on on death and longevity but like 
I've never been able to be like, yeah, I can picture myself at 60 years old. And I don't know if that's something that people can do or not. Like, I feel like yeah. some people can picture themselves with white picket fans, full family. I was like, I've never envisioned myself living to a, a old age for whatever reason. And it may just be because I'm an overthinker, but like, and that's why like my greatest fear above all else is dying with regret of having not done something that I wanted to do. Mm. But so like my, my, my general fear of death is high my like in like that retroactive moment be like damn i almost just died right there much lower yeah so those weren't percentages but i'll let you pass with those answers yeah uh, uh, um g- general fear of death 30 percent. like i i think about uh i think about death a, a decent amount i think like probably mm-hmm. more than most people like i just it crosses my mind more. I'm more of an introspective person in that way. Like I think about like how will people talk about me when I'm gone? Like, you know, like, I do think about all those things. Um, so I'd say maybe 25 to 30%. I, mm-hmm. I think about that, like even just in the middle of a work day, it'll just cross my mind. Like I genuinely do probably think about it. I don't know if it's an unhealthy level, but like, I think I think about it way more than the average person. Um, and then yeah, genuine fear of death, you know, 0.01% where I had that moment where it was like, fuck, I almost just died. Yeah, it's that's that was a, those are great percentages. For me, I don't have an actual so thinking about death, that would probably be the moderate part, right? Yeah, I, I think that's the one that's always gonna be a bigger number. So the, for me, thinking about death, I think about death 95% of the time. And the only reason it's not a hundred percent of the time, because I have to sleep at least three to five hours a day. So for me, and I don't dream. So if I dreamt, that will probably be in my dreams a lot. Like death is always. It's definitely, I, I don't remember any of my dreams, but it's in some, the dreams I do remember usually have to do with something like that. Yeah. So it's always there. For me, it's always there. It's always there. Like, and I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I think me thinking about death all the time has helped keep me alive to this point. Like I'm not. Oh, for sure. I didn't think I was going to live past 16. So the fact I'm 30 to me, I'm going to borrow time anyway. This is bonus rounds. This is the over, this is the money, baby. Time. Yeah, you know, this is sudden death over time. First one to score is going to win, you know? <laughs> so it's for me and I, and I, um, so that's thinking about death, uh, fear of death. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not ready to die. I got too much shit that I want to do. I got too many people I need to touch. I got too many people I need to take care of, but fear of death genuinely is probably like 5% or zero to 5%. And the reason why it's even that high is because I used to be a lot more selfish about my life. Like, it was like, if I die, that's on me. If I live, it's on me. But I realized how important I am to other people. And I didn't always think of it like that. Like, Mm -hmm. I never thought of it like that. Like, it's the same. It's not like, I'm not saying I'm suicidal, but it's the same thought of why I think a lot of people don't take their own lives. Because no matter how fed up they might actually be with their own lives, they see their family, they see their friends, they see the people who they might work with. And they're like, I can't do that to them. So even if it's not my choice, it's a zero to 5% because I'm worried about the impact it's going to have on the people who love and care mm-hmm. about me oh yeah for sure like it's a big legacy thing like even myself having had clinical depression or even like earlier this year part of why i moved back home like i felt myself falling back into some of those tendencies whereas like i wasn't taking care of myself mentally physically like anything it was worse and worse but yeah like i, I remember when i was at the lowest of lows when i was in high school like it, it was exactly that for me i was like like anytime I went to go see like my therapist who, you know, was the one doctor like prescribing me 
medication or whatever, like, you know, because they have to ask those questions kind of regulatory on a regulatory basis, I'm sure, for just kind of management of the situation. It's like, oh, how many times? And it's like, yeah, it's like, how many times you thought about suicide? Like, there were definitely times where I was like, I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. Could I ever come close to doing it? No. But yeah, like, so like, it's all about the people for me. That's why I like it. I mean, I live my life by by that Maya Angelou quote. I tell people this every day. It's like, you know, people are going to forget what you said. They're going to forget what you did, but you they won't forget how you made them feel. I was like, yeah, that's 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 the goal. That's how you live life to me. I thought you were going to use the other Maya, Maya Angelou quote. Live your Fuck life a quarter kids. mile at a time. No, live, live your life a quarter mile at a time. Well, that's another philosopher, but for, for, yeah, my bad. Let's mixing my philosophies up. Um, but that's that's real though, man. The people, people. I think that we like goes back to trust. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody is full. I know nobody is fully independent in this world, and I think people are far less independent than they actually think they are. Like most of us ain't built the car that we own. Most of us needed a loan to get the car that we own. Most of us needed help when we blew out it. So there's all. Most of us don't hunt our own food. Most of us don't grow our own food. You know, most of us can't make our own medicine. Like. We are always dependent on the rest of society to keep us alive. But I think that on an emotional level, it's probably even more important because if you have a healthy emotional life, more than likely, at least what I believe in the research I choose to believe is that you're less likely to get fatal diseases. You're less likely to have a stroke or a heart attack due to stress. You're less likely to stress. You're less likely to overeat. You're less likely, like there's a lot of stuff out there where if you have a healthy emotional state, you're more than likely going to be a healthier person, which means that that takes other people around you to keep you on your on your P's and Q's. And for it takes me, a village. Like, it takes a village. It takes a village. It takes a village. Even if you hate your village, it still takes a village. And it still forms you. Like, yeah, like I, I don't I don't love my hometown. Like this isn't a place that feels always like home to me. You know, like my actual house does. Like I love my family and everything. But it's like it when I was in Philly, like I never really missed my hometown. Like mm-hmm. of my little suburb because it just wasn't my type of people always, and it brought back negative connotations a lot. But you know that still shaped me. Like if I hadn't gone through some of those trials and tribulations um, at that point, like I would be, I wouldn't have been the person that I was getting to St. Joe's and and like being who I was there. That like. That that's where like I feel like that was like the birthing stage of who I am now was like mm, the the okay. village that I was able to find myself in at St. Joe's and and you know how I expanded that in different ways, but it was like without going through some shit in high school, like I wouldn't have ever had that happen. I don't think. Yeah, and I, I think the last... other thing that people need to realize and you know live your life accordingly to this. I I believe, um, I also think people like and anyone listening to this i strongly suggest to do this i think it's important like literally just sit down and think about your loved ones mm-hmm. and you know because like like it's a known thing that like people people don't get their roses till they're gone um mm-hmm. but it's like you know i i think about this sometimes be like you know and i'm sure it's happened to you you know especially where you grew up it's like there's a reasonable you know, uh, level to worry about your friend's mortality. Yeah. Family and friends. Like, like my, my parents are older, like shit could happen tomorrow. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like it's naive of us to imagine that nothing could go wrong 
like statistically speaking, yeah, there's probably going to be a tragedy in most friend groups at some point um, where, you know, there's something untimely that could happen. So it's like, you know, I, I think, yeah. you know, appreciating that time now, especially like when we're at a more formative and free stage in our lives, you know, like it, it seems irresponsible to not take advantage of that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that comes with, with maturity. And I think that it like losing, knowing that you can lose somebody around you at almost all times, <clears throat> sometimes it makes you less appreciative because you don't think it's going to last anyway. But other times it makes you more appreciative because you hope it's going to last. And to me, hope is the most dangerous drug there is in the world. I think it's the strongest drug in the world. Because the world's greatest currency. That's what I've do. You know, I've there's heard people, that before. How many times? Probably you probably haven't seen this much in your life, but I can guarantee you that a high percentage. I mean, high, like probably thirty-five to fifty percent of people who are in prison with zero chance to either get out or zero chance to have their time significantly reduced will tell you they're getting out soon. Like, it's wild, like, because they have a hope in it, because if they don't have that hope, it's not going to be there. Or they don't let their mind be locked down because they're hopeful about other things in their life that is, has nothing to do mm -hmm. with their physical freedom. It's a wild thing. Hope is that strong of a drug. People stay with people who abuse them in every kind of way because they hope their life be will better be better tomorrow. with that. It's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a people stay in systems that destroy them because they hope that it's going to change. You know, and, and it's going to... It's, it's a very, 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 very um, tough currency to digest when you're the one who's hopeless. Like everything around, like you ever seen that person who's just mad and everybody's happiness makes them mad? That's because they have lost hope. Um, and that kind of leads into my last percentage for this question. When it comes to how many times did you, have you genuinely almost died? I would say I'm like 40, 45% like genuinely almost died from people just shooting up the neighborhoods. That's, that's right where my house are, where bullets can come through the window or the wall at any time. We used to sleep below the windows just in case bullets came through from being in physical shootouts where a bullet ricocheted next to my right foot as a seven-year-old, um, from being hit by a car from a chick who just leaving a, a parking lot way too quickly and I go in the air and then fall down, from getting too fucked up um and like i said walking on 76 alone at night and being like i gotta make it home i gotta make it home kind of a thing from getting into street, street fights like i've been in street fights throughout my 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 formative years like i hope i never fight again but i'm like 50 50 in street fights so my percentage ain't high but i'm still gonna come with it you know i've never been knocked out ever in my life never been put to sleep ever in my life but run one wrong move you hit your head on the pavement one wrong move they don't let go too much when they choke you. One like they stab you, they pull out a knife, they pull out a gun from people brandishing guns um, mm -hmm. at me or around me. Like shit gets real out here, you know? So I would say I'm 40 to 45%. And then that don't even include just me walking out the house and seeing police officers every, every other day. So it's always to me, such a high percentage of what's going on when it comes to this life and death thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it, it was something where like, I, like there was no there was no point where we were like truly at like moments threat where it's like you know like guns branching or anything but like just walking around north like it like i've told you this like it was a different experience for me <laughs> where i was like okay i feel much closer to death than i did in the hometown that i grew up in 
shit is it's just, and you can feel it like you can that's what's spooky that's why i believe in energy man because have you ever been in the wrong part of philly and didn't realize it but you just felt something was off you was like where the fuck yeah. am i at <laughs> I, I mean but you you can get there like walking to a party from from saint joe's campus yep. like you go a yep. little bit past like woodbine and it's yep. like oh there's kind of a different feel here Mm-hmm. And, and that's why that energy is real, because a lot of people's lives have been lost over there. And, I, and you can also notice it when the sidewalks get a lot more uneven. You'd be like, what's up with this fucked up ass street? You're like, oh, yeah, it's wild. But yeah, when I took you on that tour of North, man, I, it was wild to me because I've never done it for anybody. and still haven't done it to anybody since. And I've, I've been talking to people about doing it. Um, but Philly's way too hot right now. Four hundred homicides last year and over that probably this year. But it, it's 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 such a. I remember my older brother, one of my older brothers, Daryl, he was he, he I remember he got mad at me because he said I was look I was looking too happy outside. And he was like, yo, what you doing out here looking like this, man? Like you gonna look like food out here. Like you keep on looking this care, living carefree or looking like you live in carefree. They're going to come for you. And that's and imagine that you a kid. I was a kid. I was like nine or 10 years old. And he's just like, yo, you can't be happy out here. Like, how much older, how much older is he than you? Four, four years. Four. Yeah. So like. For imagine like the, that's like the the things that I was thinking about at thirteen, because like my brother's five years younger than me. Never mm-hmm. once did I have to say something like that, especially not at that. Like when I was playing, when I was thirteen, I was happy go lucky. I was like, I'm not doing my homework <laughs> today. Let's go play football in the street. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're, oh, we're playing two hand shove. All right, cool. Like I was like that. That was thirteen in the suburbs. It's fucking insane, man. Fucking insane. Like you. Sometimes I think we forget just how fragile life is until that shit stops being until we're until we have to be reminded. Yeah. Like we just talked about we literally just talked about how much we have to trust people to not like put bleach in our milkshakes and not crash a plane, not have a bad day at the Tylenol factory. We, We just talked about we've never seen anybody's printed out results from their STD test. We, mm-hmm. we talked about like getting in cars around strangers with other cars, which are weapons. I, like, yeah, like my back and forth to the office that I've done yesterday, today, I'll do for the rest of the week. It's 45 minutes up, pretty much all on a highway and about an hour back all on a highway. Like that's that's so much trust to have in people. Like I don't like you said, I don't know who you are. I don't know your background. Like, I don't even know that that's your car. Like you could have stole that car. You could, you know, like you could be a really dangerous individual and have stolen someone's car. And I wouldn't know. Like, yeah, like just the fact, like if you have a Prius, like, yeah, there's there's a and this is this is the thing where it's like, you know, this is probably a conversation for another time. Like people that say there's no like implicit bias or like um, unconscious bias, the word I'm looking for, like everyone has that. It's like, yeah, if I, if I drive by a Prius versus mm-hmm. a pickup truck, I'm going to think a little bit differently, probably about who's driving it in terms of like yeah. having a base assumption. Usually it's well-founded, but like it is there. And it's, but it's also like, I don't know, like you could be borrowing someone's car. Like you driving a Prius is not the same as probably the Prius <laughs> owner, as I know. So like, uh, you know, it's like there, there's so much of that where you just have to assume and trust that things are going to be okay because they have been in the past, but there's no guarantee of that. No, and, and when you're stuck in traffic, this is something that I I think about way too often. This is actually, I don't know if it's once again, don't know if it's unhealthy, but when I'm stuck in traffic or I'm at a red light, I always think, what well, if somebody just pull up and start blasting? 
Like, there's nowhere to go. Every time. I think about it. And I didn't grow up in an environment that, like, bred me to think that way. But it's like every time someone pulls up on me, I'm going to be like, I can't move. Especially. And like, like, there's times that that I unconsciously will be, like, kind of lean back or, like, Mm -hmm. make myself a smaller target when I'm doing normal tasks. Like, just, like, just being alone. Like, I'll walk a little bit differently, take a little different route. Like, um, mm-hmm. like it's weird. And it's like, I have no, I should have no fear in where I currently am of that being the case. You know, it's like the class thing is like, yeah, the chances are very low that something's going to go wrong, but it's not zero. It's never oh, zero. No. no. Yeah. It's never so otherwise shit wouldn't happen. It'd be all utopian and, and everything. And I've, since I don't understand life, you know, to me, life is that eternal journey. So, I mean, I know the meaning of life and it's to live it, but I still don't understand 42. life. That's why I think that um, for me, I think that one of the reasons why I've never ha- even had an SCD, let alone HIV, one of the reasons why um, I'm still here and I haven't been like set up by friends or family members to be killed or anything like that, or I'm so aware of my surroundings, is because I, I usually go with my first mind of energy. Like if something don't feel right, I'm about it there. If something feels right, I'm all up in there. And mm-hmm. that can be with people, that can be with places, that can be with driving, that can be with taking different routes. Like I have taken longer routes to go somewhere because it didn't feel right. I'm like, no, nah, I, I think this is way. why you and I get along so well is I'm that same exact wavelength. And I, I would give you this phrase that I heard someone say, and it's so oxymoronic at its mm-hmm. surface level, but like it'll make sense to you and I. And like people listening may won't get it unless they think like we do. And it's we live strategically impulsively. Oh, for sure. That's a great way. It's like, a great way to put it. Yeah, because it's like it we, we trust our guts a hundred percent, but there's usually some analytic like base reason. Like if we look back and be why did it feel wrong? Like mm-hmm. you'd probably put it together. But we also are just like, yeah, no, it doesn't feel right. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's like the first it, time I heard that, I was like, I, I didn't know how to verbalize this, you know, trait of mine. This is it. <laughs> like, it makes so yeah. much sense. <laughs> that makes a great deal of sense. Like, that makes too much sense almost. Like, it's almost yeah. like that was made for us. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, and it's crazy too, because like, I have turned down opportunities that in the moment seem like the right opportunities that in the long run probably could have. Yeah. But something wasn't me, right. Could have yeah. got me all messed up. Could have got me. You believe that up, everything's kind of, you know, cause I, I feel like it, it takes a certain level of trust in the universe to a degree. And some people are too skeptical to see it this way. Do you feel like everything's kind of connected and intertwined in different ways? Like I've always felt that like everything intertwines to the next thing mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, where it's like, again, like, okay, if I don't like so many things had to fall into place for me to be where I'm at, mm-hmm. that a lot of times we're out of my control where it's like, you know, like you, you know how close my core group of friends from college is mm-hmm. like, we were all random roommates for the most part. Like I met my roommate, um, through someone that we both know um, uh, just that orientation. Cause they had also talked to this individual and kind of just introduced us to each other. And we're like, all right, yeah, you want to live there? Cool. Done. Cool. But it's like all the people I lived with, like um, even the fact where it's like, I grew up in, in Boston, like St. Joe's would have never been on my radar. Had my dad not gone there. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I was in like the Jesuit pipeline that a lot of kids are, where like they just happen to go to Jesuit high school. So like the Jesuit colleges are on their mind. Like so many things had to fall into place. Like I needed to, I needed to be in Philly and desperate for a job. Like, you know, the only reason I went to the company I'm with now is because a family friend of ours worked there and was on a walk with my mom and just got, like threw it out as an option. Like, otherwise I wouldn't have considered it. Like I wasn't thinking about working in finance and then yeah. like finance was the only, like the class I learned the least amount in, in all of college. Cause it was a, a once a week night class, all the answers to every quiz that were all on blackboard were all on Quizlet. So we had learned nothing the entire allegedly, semester. Allegedly on Quizlet. Nah, I, th- I think the statute of limitations is up. I don't know. You, you'd know better than me, actually. You're still in <laughs> higher education, but um, it's the teacher's fault. But it's like we went into the final having learned basically nothing. And like, I, I think I got the best score of my friends that I took that class with. And I got like a 60. And it's like the fact that I'm a f- like licensed stockbroker at this point is crazy with that in mind. Where it's like, but so many things had to fall in line for that to happen. And it's like, and the other thing I think about is like, you know, I had it happened had happened at the right time. Like, if if right now COVID and everything taken into account, someone was like, "Hey, you want this job? You know, would you consider moving to Texas?" I'd be like, "Fuck no." <laughs> but like when I interviewed for that job the first time, they thought I was gonna go to New Hampshire. This is when I was we were living together in Philly, and I was like, "Nah, let's do the crazy thing." And I was like, "But so many things had to fall into place." I was like, "I, I couldn't have a significant other. Like, couldn't have kids. Like, obviously, kids or anything. Like, didn't have pets. Like, my family was was in a, a place health wise where I was like, okay, I can do that. Where it's like none of those things are have like all those things have kind of changed to some degree." in these last couple of years where it's like, I wouldn't be able to feel comfortable doing that now. So it's like, but that experience taught me so much about myself and life. Whereas like all that's going to factor in, like I've always believed that like there's weird, there's too many weird connections for it to not be, or for it to be coincidental. If that makes sense. Yeah. One caveat before I, I speak to that part is that never forget that George W. Bush got a C minus in leadership in college in a class. So he ended up being president. So anything is possible. So, uh, but I will say this. I don't think everything is, I think there's two ways of looking at it. And the ways I choose to look at it is that the universe will give you what you need to connect everything. Mm Mm-hmm. But everybody doesn't do it that way. So their paths are not as their paths are a lot more fragmented than maybe ours would be. You know, like it's like I should have never went to St. Joe's. Nothing about me going. Nothing said I should have went to St. Joe's in my whole lineage ever. Like, period. They gave me the least amount of money by far than every other institution that I got into. I did not in Philadelphia. you know, a model of diversity. Yeah, As my non one interaction that I'll never forget with a professor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I never want, I didn't want to stay in Philly because I, I was like, Philly took too much from me. Like, it was a lot of stuff going against it. And then I had, I just had a feeling. I literally was like, you got to, I didn't go to the tour. It's like, literally, first time I was ever on St. Joseph's campus was for orientation. But I had a feeling. I literally had a feeling. I was like, you have to go to that school. And I, once again, followed my intuition. I was like, you know what? I'm, because I can always transfer. Like, it's not like I got to stay here forever. So if I don't like it, I can go. And it wasn't the easiest path to take, you know, as a, as a young black kid in an all white, in a mostly white school, especially being that small. But 
it turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So I think that, and, and, but the crazy part is, one of the craziest parts is the only link that I had to St. Joe's was that undefeated team. And that undefeated team, because I got to go to a, a, one of the games with my little brother that our dad took us to when I didn't even know who St. Joe's was. They were playing Drexel and I picked Drexel because I was like, who's this little guy? He ain't gonna be able to beat these big guys. Like what's going on here? I should have known better coming from Philly where Allen Iverson still was playing at that time. But I was like, I'm going, and then we followed him that whole season. And, I, and that's one of my greatest sports memories, watching that entire season unfold and even watching him lose to Oklahoma State University with Lucas Jr. Fuck him for life, hit that big three. So and like- that was the- Shout out TA, but not that <laughs> You know, but like, so that was the only link I really had to St. Joe's. So like, I that memory stuck with me. And if I didn't ever go to that game, which I could have easily not gone because me and my dad aren't cool. Like we were, we just became cool at that. But like, we could have easily, we could have easily had a falling out the year prior instead of the year after the mm-hmm. St. Joe's run. You know what I'm saying? So like, it could have easily been one of those things where I just never even thought about them like that. Like I wouldn't have been able to miss them because I'm a big sports guy and I would have found out but I don't think I would have been like rotting as hard for him because I'm a UNC basketball fan overall. Like it's a cool story, but I would have been like, uh, but me going to a game, me keeping up with it with my brother, me like, so like, it was always like one of those memories from my childhood that was positive, which there aren't that many of them um, compared to the negative ones. So like that, that you could say that's chance, but I don't think I believe in chance. I believe yeah, that. I think that's yeah. more where I'm at is like, there's, in my experiences, and I'm, I'm sure you probably feel to a certain degree the same, is like there's too much stuff that like I, I can't make sense of how it happened. You know what I mean? Like even the simple stuff, like the one that's popped in my head <clears throat> is a this is a much aside that like I think of Harry, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like I moved 1,500 miles away and like, the, like you said, the universe kind of gives you what you need. Like this dude I met. And the only reason that I talked to this dude the first time was because on my drive down to Texas, when I stayed overnight in Little Rock, Arkansas, I was like, I might need another work polo for my first week before all my stuff gets down. I went to Walmart and bought an Arkansas polo. And he asked me when we were going through training, like, hey, do you go to Arkansas? Otherwise, we would have never interacted. He was going into a different role than I was, different backgrounds. But like that's how we got to know each other. (laughs) Turns out this dude knows a dude that used to – party at the house that i would eventually live in and like we were like retroactively going through all these stories of different individuals uh who shall remain nameless for uh you know probably legal reasons for some for some degree um some of them like, may or may not be getting married or are married you never know what's happening in this world never know never know them now um but like it's it's like that one is one of the ones that pops in my mind just like for a recency bias where like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense like there's nothing about that that makes sense. And no. the other thing, I would have never made the connection if the one the first time that I met him, he wasn't wearing a Fordham shirt. Like so many weird things where it's like what he could have picked anything else in his closet that day. Anything else. And I would have never crossed like I wouldn't I would have been like, Hey, he's probably from here. But like he's wearing a Fordham shirt, and I'm like, Oh, you went to Fordham? <laughs> so like I went yeah. to St. Joe's. Like I, I wouldn't I would have never been like, Oh, you know these dudes from philly like it would have made no sense like it would have been a ludicrous thing to ask someone out of the blue so it's like there's so many weird things where it's like eventually there's something else you know I've, like i've never you know I, I it's like i feel like it's a cliche but to be like you know i'm more spiritual than i am religious because it's yeah. like i don't i don't think it's anyone like i don't believe in any predisposed deity but there's some higher power 
Because like you there's too much weird one. shit that happens. You definitely believe in one deity. Marshawn's name is his name is Reese's Christ. So we're going. I mean, Marshawn. I'd, I'd say that's blasphemy, but like, I, what is it blasphemous against if I don't believe in the others? And how is it blasphemous if it's just a name? I, I believe in your existence. That's that's true. I mean, do you believe that people name Jesus as blasphemous? Mm. See, no, can't say. Right, there's See, a lot of so. Jesuses that I appreciate. And like, all, um, all footy players, I think, but and Muslim people being named like Islam Muhammad. or uh, Allah or Muhammad, like I'm like, I feel like it's like a it's like an homage to something. Even though I, I mean, I'm not Christian um, anymore, but I think that is interesting because just name, we, I'm just gonna name I name my kid God. Just see what happens. I just want to watch the world burn. Actually, that's not fair to the kid, but like that that'd be very funny to me. Just like name your kid. Like, oh, what's your kid's name? God. We already had a God. What? Sham God. <laughs> fair, point. fair point and we had jesus shuttlesworth we've had some names out there man jay shuts you know i'm trying to name my future child which probably won't exist all silent letters and just see what happens be like yeah like what's their you name that elon musk wingdings nah nah, nah i'm not gonna do the elon can't do the elon and i hope my my future baby mom doesn't look like grimes either but no offense no Damn. shade <laughs> it's a little bit of shade no, I didn't. I said I hope she doesn't look like Grimes. That doesn't mean that Grimes doesn't work for him. That, that's fair. I, I, I suppose that's a fair save. Um, it's not even a save. It's just the honest truth. Like, I don't want my baby to come out looking like Grimes. My genetics that, and Grimes genetics. So somehow, weirdly, well. that feels m- less disrespectful. Yeah, I think that's more disrespectful. <laughs> I said it out loud. I was like, yes, the price you can like, that. I, I don't but know. Hey. Like, I, I feel like I go either way. Speaking of women, speaking of women, (laughs) Doug Gottlieb had a a great point that I wanted to pose to you today on his radio show. Doug Gottlieb, very controversial. He's super controversial. And I almost, I usually never listen to Doug Gottlieb, but like I saw the headline, I was like, I got to click this, this little, this little snippet. Well, it's not even snippet. It was the whole segment. He says that we do not view mental health equally between female and male athletes. And he used these three, he used more than these three, but I'm gonna give you his top three examples. Biles, he said, I'm sure. Simone Biles today is getting all of the sympathy in the world. And, yeah. and he said, she probably should get all of the sympathy in the world. Yeah. But she's getting all the sympathy in the world. Paul George last year got all of the hate in the world for literally saying, my mental health is off, yo. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm playing bad. My mental health is off, but I'm going to keep trying to play. And got the worst hate in the world, right? He said, he was like, what about LeBron with the first Heat team? When you can clearly see he ain't there. Like, you got J.J. Barea defending LeBron James. Like, you could see something was off there. So he was like, male athletes, it's like he said, we got to have like one, we got to have one or two conversations Either everybody's going to get the same type of scrutiny or or worry, or we're going to have to start really examining why we think that a, a female athlete deserves a lot more affection. Is it because the size of the athlete, like a Simone Biles? Is it because we look at women as less tough? Is it like, whatever? What, we don't know what the reasons are. So I'm opposed to you. Do you think that it's true that we view women's mental health issues differently than we view men um, or males and females, I should say. Like, uh, Oh yeah. We don't, we don't talk about, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a sports thing at all. 
Um, like I, I, I just think there's the gender norms of like women are more emotional and like, so I, I think it's been more okay to be talked about. It, like it's more of a, a normality for them to express those types of behaviors. But we like, want to say cisgender know, too. We're not speaking yes, about yes, 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 about, yes, yes. That's yes, why yes, I say yes, male yes. and female because we look at it in the binary. I think this. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah, that's why I meant it more as like just the gender norm. Cis is is a good uh, caveat to that. But like, you know, like if a dude is like, yeah, my mental health isn't good. It's like, all right, man up, stop being a pussy. Like that, like you're being a bitch. Like that. That's real. And yeah. it's like, oh, but. Men's mental health is very real. I mean, I think the other thing, and because I I saw some people going after Simone Biles, being like, "Oh, LeBron handles the pressure," you know, Phelps handles the pressure, you know, she's going. And I was also like, "They're like, oh, but she's the goat and she can't do this." I was like, it, "She's also in like the one field, literally in the world, where you can be the goat at age 20. Mm-hmm. and like your shelf life in that sport at an elite level is like eighteen to twenty four, probably." And then on the flip side of that, all of the people that they name people only care failed. once every four years too. And and they failed. Like when LeBron fell, that's and Doug Gottlieb said this. Skip Bayless made his career for LeBron failing, mm-hmm. and him calling him emotionally. And, but yeah, but the other thing I was like, Le- LeBron didn't get. I mean, he got some. He got some criticism, for, but like no one ever held losing against LeBron until he got to Miami. It's like when he yeah. got swept by the Spurs, no one was like. Mm. That 22-year-old LeBron, what a bum. And people were like, oh, Simone Biles is the GOAT and she can't handle pressure. Naomi Osaka's, you know, a legend. She can't handle it. It's like, these girls are 23 and 24. There's no human at 23 and 24 that's built to handle that. And the other thing that I just think is so lazy is, like, Simone Biles has been dominating gymnastics for the last, what, four years since the last Olympics. I'm, sh- I'm sh- more than sure. But no one cares about that. Like, they're waiting for this one event. So it's like it's even more under the microscope than it may be um, generally speaking. So it's like, yeah, like she definitely deserves all the sympathy in the world. But yes, I also agree that way more people need to like Dak Prescott talked about how rough he had it uh, like a year or two ago. People were sympathetic for like a day and a half and then no one cared again. I don't think people were as sympathetic as we remember. I think it's because his brother just committed suicide. His mom died. I think we're more sympathetic about why he was depressed as opposed to him being depressed. I think yeah, no like, one was like, I hope Dak Prescott is okay. Like, yeah, that's all it was. I hope Dak Prescott is okay. It wasn't yeah. like, hey, how can we help Dak Prescott get help? Yeah, we weren't really checking in with Dak. It was just straight up like, yo, man, he, he going through a lot. Hope he makes He's it. He's like, damn, that <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Like, man, that sucks. That's crazy. But then when like. Well, see, that's the difference. It's that difference of sympathy versus empathy. Yeah, because when like, when I know, and I know this, to me, this is the closest woman to getting almost almost mostly scrutiny when mentally she's been off Serena Williams. I think Serena Williams to me is the closest to how we treat men when mentally she's not there. And even Serena, I think they give her and probably rightly should. Once again, I think we should be a lot more kind to other people, but I think they give her a lot more um, a lot more excuses of why it is. Like, how many times have you heard since Serena gave birth? You know, you know she's a mom now. Like, it's always come. It's always it always go back to like the most human thing we can pull out, and that's like you giving life. Like a man can't can't fall back on that. And a man, yeah, well, I think well, well, well men- when Draymond, I remember this when Draymond was talking shit to LeBron 
in the finals in 16. Like I, LeBron said, had something had said something to him be like, come on, man, I'm a father too. And everyone was like, a weird thing to say. <laughs> I was like, nah, he's a dad. Like, and, and I've clowned on LeBron a lot. I clown on him in that moment, probably for saying such a, what feels like such a silly thing, but like, to a certain degree, it's fair. Like, give respect, get respect. And I think there's a level that we want our male athletes to actually be menacing. Like, remember when LeBron got to Miami, he was pretending to be the bad guy. Like, it was Look, like, Khabib, this is weird, but we're in. Khabib, but like, hold too. On. But yeah. Khabib, too. But I was going to go even earlier than that. There, if, I, if I showed you on paper, if I showed you on paper everything that Mike Tyson went through in his life, Mm-hmm. You would say this guy He's has a super worse superhero, but instead we made him the baddest man on the planet. That wasn't even his nickname. His nickname was Kid Dynamite. Many, th- think about how many crying memes there have been. Yeah. Yeah. Like, think like about DC. When DC lost to Jones the second time, and he was, and he was just, yeah. he just bawling. And people were mm-hmm. like, ah, that's funny. But nah. That dude has worked his entire life for this moment, and that was his realization of, I'm not going to get it. There's no way his mental health was okay. Like, And, and then, I will say, like, the one person that did get a ton of scrutiny, I think, from a lot of people was Ronda. Like, on the female side. but And I think that's partially due to the sport. Is It's a nope, sport that... it's not. I don't, don't think, think it is, because look, look how much love oh, Rose, Rose Yeah. It's a good call. Rose cries all of the time and she has the right to do that. And then we all look at it like, oh, Rose or like Rose is such a warrior or like it's just like we build a narrative around her tears are a part of her power. Yeah, but it's like I it, it's crazy because, again, Dana, as we know, is like the most empathetic person in the world, I imagine, um, <laughs> according to hey, Dana. Man, Dana. Yeah, but like when Khabib retires, like, yeah, this guy is not in a headspace where one, he wants to. And two, probably should not continue fighting. And that's not me being like an anti-Khabib person. I was like, he made it very clear. And it was like, the fact that people keep being like, oh, well, let's try and get Khabib back. Or like, you know, even, you know, I, I'm a Connor guy. I'm going to be critical where Connor's like, oh, Khabib is running. It's like, no, he's not. He just doesn't want to do it. He's like, he's not mentally there to be able to check into that mode anymore. And it's like, I do think there needs to be more respect for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it Because it's like, I everyone's had that fragile moment and none of us, you know, none of us normal people that have probably had some of those most fragile moments have had to be on such a pedestal that an athlete is, especially an elite athlete where everything they say and do is under a, a microscope and scrutiny because people have nothing better to do than talk about it. It's also, is another reason why I believe that one, the news and two like sports channels should have like limits on how much they're able to broadcast like if sports center is going to do talk shows they shouldn't be allowed to be on 24 7 i truly believe that i was like you like you should be playing sports or running sports center and like showing me highlights i don't want to see talking heads that are just going to talk about controversial topics if it if it bleeds it leads i get that i get why they do it it should not be like i wish it could be like regulated to be like like I don't think the normal news should be on 24 hours a day. It should be on at 5, 8, and 10 p.m. or something like that, or, and then like morning shows where it's just like, give me the news, and then that's going to make you prioritize what actually needs to be reported, 
and then we can move on because you, they're trying to fill time. So they fill it with controversy and drama to get people to tune in. And it's mm-hmm. just creating this negative cycle in my eyes. Flip side of that coin, though. Positively rarely sells with positivity alone. That's like, fair. It makes people name, tune in. Like no, no, one, name, no one tunes in to watch Floyd win. No. Can you name a star athlete who is a star athlete because of how positive they've been? No, it's like Mike Trout, but no one cares. Like Mike Trout is on the same level. Like I remember seeing a report once in terms of like name recognizability. Mike Trout, and at this point, he was this is probably 2015, 2016, to put mm-hmm. kind of like a, a range on it. He got like the same score as Brandon Jennings. And oh, I should say superstar, not a star. Because Mike Trout isn't a superstar. He's a star because he doesn't want to which be. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which yeah. is like like uh like vlad's one of the like weird rare ones or marsh like but marshawn they talk about him with negativity they talk about him with negativity he's positive positive he's positive yeah his image isn't for whatever reason positive right like Like, yeah i I think i think weirdly like dominican baseball players are the only ones i think um like david ortiz is one of the few people that i think could do that i think like Dontrell no, Willis, but, but everyone this, loved. But, but peep this thing. He wasn't superstar. David Ortiz to me was controversy too because he played for a team that couldn't win a World Series. He had the steroid scandal that like a legend, and then they called them the idiots. Like they they weren't even like they weren't even giving them credit for being intelligent. Like they were like, well, your nickname is literally defacing your intelligence. It's like the lovable loser. Like, like it's like it's not. I know that's, I know that's the Cubs, but it's like the lovable loser syndrome. I mean, at that point, like, it was a kindred spirit type of situation. Yeah, and the only the only baseball player that I could think of that transcended baseball that was like I didn't I've never heard anything negative about on that kind of level was King Griffey Jr. Ken's a good one. That's the only one I could really, really pull out. That's a superstar like that is known outside of baseball. The smile, the backwards hat, the name recognition, that kind of thing. And it didn't. And I'm I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, like hmm, 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 which is wild because literally, if it's all and, and even then, cares. I'll bet I'll bet if we really were to go back, I'll bet there was a lot of negativity around Ken and be like. Can you believe how flashy this guy is? He doesn't play the game the right way. Like he doesn't play the game the right way. You know well, he was one of those guys. And you know, you know what's crazy. Like, about I'm, that? I'm watching the I'm watching the Padres game right now, and I'm like, well, Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis, like everything about him to me is all positive, but he gets so much negativity for how flashy he is, all that. Mm-hmm. By the way, he hit a ball to the moon tonight. Um, like you probably saw my facial reactions when I was watching I did. it. I did. Um, I, did. I, I I couldn't believe it. But um, yeah, like there's very few because like. But it's like that's where I to that I say, if you're if 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 you are going to call yourself a reporter journalist of sports, and you can't prop someone up based on positivity, because it's easier to sell with negativity, you're being lazy. Do your job better. I think it's just reporters because America is. I think is actually higher than 50% women. I think it's, it's either 50% or like a little bit higher, more women than, than men, right? But women's sports don't get the, they don't get the attendance that men's sports get. Women, um, even podcasters, can you name 
a really successful female podcaster. Like that's like on a level where it's just like, oh, this the only one is, is the one that just went from Barstool to Spotify. Call her daddy. Call her daddy. She's the she, only one. See, just but peep this. Yeah, there was a ton of negativity with that. There was so and, much drama with that. And from what I was told, I've never listened to the podcast. But what I was told is a lot of it's about like sucking dick. It's like, yeah, that's true. So it's like that's not really an uplifting thing, but it but the negativity sells. So like I don't think I think that I don't even think it's yeah a controversy reporter. sells. Like it's definitely because like she got the bag to do that. And, but I, I don't think women are supporting women. I don't think black people are supporting black people. I don't think um I I just think that it's one of these things where we do it in dosages. We do it in dosages. Like when the whole controversy came out with Call on Daddy, that's when I think they actually blew up. Like yeah, they were like popular. But I think the controversy. No, I mean, they, they were they were really up there. Well, that's but that's why they tried to bounce was because of how popular they were. And there but they was weren't. Like an issue they weren't thirty million dollars Spotify popular. No, they weren't getting paid that. They were on like a rookie deal at Barstool, but the podcast was still hitting huge. Like it was like number two, number three in the charts at all times. I like don't it, trust was, it was. I don't trust charts. I don't trust charts. Can't trust those charts. If I don't trust music charts, I ain't trusting podcast charts. It's fair. But yeah, I mean, you like, they, me, but that that was a b- big part of the issue was like if you, they, they Barstool gave him the exposure deal. But like this was what, a year and a half into that, I think. Like, I think they you, came to Barstool like when we were still living together. And then this was last year that all that blew up. If you um, tell me if you tell me that one million streams constitutes one hundred and fifty thousand streams, I go that's one hundred fifty thousand sales. One million streams, like one hundred fifty thousand sales. And songs are maybe three minutes long now. Maybe you're gonna maybe. tell me that you're gonna tell me that somebody listens to a two to three hour podcast. Well, it's just off downloads now. Yeah, some bullshit. It's janky numbers. But well, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, they had the merch deals too. I wonder what that was giving them. But see, yeah, it could be all bundled in. But like to me, I mean, they were um, making. I, I think the amendment because they made it pretty public, um, or like at least Barcel did. Like, I think it ended with. Uh, the one that stayed that's now on Spotify, they were basically like, We'll pay you 500 grand a year, plus you get the IP and you can leave in a year. And they helped her like talk. And I think th- they're still linked, like, they're going to do merch through them still. But yeah, like, I mean, I think her bag was like three years, 60 mil or something stupid. Wow, man. But controversy, man. Like I, I don't. Can you name a podcast that only focuses on uplifting women that's doing well? I can't even name a podcast that's only focused on uplifting women. <laughs> and that's I mean, my I can't, fault. I, I can't name many podcasts that are uplifting everything at all. You don't think? Uh, you don't think Thick Boy is going to be uplifting? I was gonna say million dollars worth of game is a is a decent one if you want some uplifting conversation. I, I was scary, listening to maybe. their uh, I was listening to their episode with Cube on my way to work today. Shout out Gilly think, and Wallow. I think all this all the smoke tries to do that too. Like I think they they bring on people and they try to give them their flowers. They do talk. They do take swipes at other people while they're doing it from time to time. But I think they really do try to uplift. But people. but, but I, I think there's it is important to recognize that's not what's selling their brand. No, no. So I do think there's a difference in that. Dog, the Isaiah Thomas interview, IT2, not the OG IG, IT. I, I, that I, I was, have not seen it. I'm going to listen to it. Oh, my. I'm to it tomorrow. I think I sent it to you. I was like, dog, you got to listen to this. It was probably. such a good, because I've never heard, and you probably would know this better than me. I have never heard Isaiah Thomas go go in depth 
about what happened with his business and how it related to his injuries. I never heard him go deep into it. Like I never like he there's even a part of the podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil you this part. There's a part in the podcast where he outright talks about how certain teams didn't tell him what would happen if he tried to play. Like just didn't tell him. And he was like, that's the only part I regret. Like, come on, man. Like, not only everything I was going through at these times, and you know, all like, tell me what would happen if if I tried to play on this. Talk about another dude where like People like people like to bring it up and be like, that was a you know great effort given everything that's going on. No one checked in with him. Nope. Except for like, I've, uh, always, I've always been very proud of Avery Bradley was the only one that I saw. Avery, Avery, Avery's a real one. But like and he grew up with him though. Did he? Yeah, they played on the same little league team in baseball. That's crazy. I only I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um but like that's one thing where like Boston fans get a bad rep for a lot of things. The love that still gets shown to Isaiah, no matter what, is always good to see. I've never seen really Boston fans. Like if you go on any of his tweets right now, like from during the season, I guarantee 70% of the replies are come back to Boston. <laughs> like, it's like, we don't even care how busted up you may be like, just come back. Oh man. It's, it's a dope interview. Dope one. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to that tomorrow for sure. Super dope one. It's a good ride in review. And and, See, I'm, and I'm, just super... pulling, I'm just pulling up to a random one. Look, look at this. L- literally, all it is is him helping promote uh, Jay Crossover's event. First reply: yeah. We want you back in Boston at Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I this, love it. this dude goes, "I love you." One day when I'm rich and I own the Celtics, I'm gonna retire your number. <laughs> Gotta love yeah, people like come on, man. Brad. Like it's crazy. Everyone, like every single one of his tweets is like that. Dude, that's awesome. See, I think, but I think that there should also be some type of escrow that gets taken from every player's salary who makes a certain amount and from the league as a whole that goes into a fund that actually call it the Iverson paid. rule. No, we can't call it the Iverson rule because it's gonna be too much, too much related to that. We gotta call it the uh we gotta name it after like the Bobby Benilla. Know, like an old player that nobody really remembers so that they can't say anything negative about it. <laughs> like, because like, then they're going to say Iverson was broke. And Iverson like, I never was broke. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's, it's going to be like, but it should go to players who got the hurt. The Antoine Walker fund. No, Antoine just blew his money. He got his money. He blew the Vin, it up. The Vin Baker fund. No, he got his money too. I'm telling people who didn't get their big money. People who oh, like okay. got hurt or like, or like Len something that. Stop, man. Lynn Bias. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, it's the Isaiah Thomas fund. Like, God damn it. Yes. The IT fund. Yes. We're like, at the at the end of your career. Just like the Shabazz Napier rule. Someone has to start it. Because, like, like that's, what, that's what people don't forget. Like, when Isaiah Thomas, like, the last season, he, like, where it's actually Isaiah Thomas, he was an MVP candidate. That's what I'm saying. Like, and, and, and it should be, depending on what you did while you were at your peak, even if it only lasted, like, two or three years, if you were, if you were within two years of receiving some type of, of max contract Accolade, or something close yeah. to it, you get a percentage of that when you retire if you've never actually attained it. So, like, Isaiah Thomas... Even if it has to go MVP through some arbitration. Yeah. He was an all-star. He got MVP votes. He did. That's some shit that's, like, very few people in the world has ever done. And the fact that he's been on veteran minimums for his entire career, that's insane. Like, that's, like... I, I would think that's were, probably something that has to be done by the players, Union. you think, right? Because I think it should come out the league and the players' uh, salaries. I think it should be. A I agree. Team. I'm just saying that the league. 
I don't know. The NBA is like the one league that might actually do the right thing on that. Like most other leagues are just going to fuck people over. Um, but it's like, it'd be, you know, it'd be kind of cool is if like it went through an approval process and it was like a player vote. Or be like, just pull the active players. Be like, does IT deserve some extra cash? Yeah. Yes. And there's a, there's actually a good amount of well-known names who also, who are still playing, who will qualify for that. Like DeMarcus Cousins. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Isaiah Thomas, we just said. Um, who else? Zach Levine. Who's playing right there? Well, huh? Zach Levine still got a bag. Oh, yeah, Zach got that bag. Zach got yeah. that bag. He would have been eight. one, though, I feel like. Yeah. When he tore his Achilles, I mean, his ACL yeah. was like, oh, shit. Clay. <laughs> he, but Clay did get the bag because the Warriors are, are they, they respect their players. That, that's dope. Like, they was like, no, we got you. Don't worry about that. But, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. Kawhi could not get a max contract because he tore his ACL. Like, that could be one of those things where, like, any tours ACL probably because all it takes is one thing for Zion. Zion's a wall. I think Zion should play the three or the two. Um, but Zion's a like, he, he just looks like a walking injury. Like, his body's just constructed so awkwardly that it's just, it, he, he's got like the Bo Jackson issues where it's like your body's too powerful for your own good almost. You know what I mean? Like you're almost too. Let me. He's the only person that's gonna bust out of a shoe. But it's like all it takes is one of those where he planted the wrong way. Done. Paul George is another one where it's like he still got paid, but like that could have been really bad. Steph could have been that. Remember his ankles. Yep. If his ankle step man fucked up, they would have been out of here for Steph, and he just would have been the guy who could have been something. And we don't. With those kind of players, like Baron Davis is one. Baron Davis. Baron Davis should have been a map. People forget how fucking nasty Baron Davis was before his knees failed him. And it was just people like, also forget like Charlotte Baron Davis. Like yeah. everyone, everyone just thinks of him dunking on Karolinko, like as if that was the only thing he ever did. Nah, he was a problem. Yeah. And he brought the Jerry Curl back just because. Like you, these are legendary moments. It, it, th- there should be a culture fund too. Yeah. And you, like you and get those players. I think that the I'm culture just passion. Probably, this probably wouldn't be part of the actual agreement, but I think that there should be something for players who turn down max money to go to a better team because their franchise failed them. Like people who are like, Yo, I'm opting out. I know this is $30 million. I'm going to go over here and take this $10 million like to try to get this chip because y'all motherfuckers are like, like there should be some type of fund in order for players whose, whose primes are being wasted by their franchise. <laughs> like it should be like, oh, we're so here, you know, who's another one that should get some money. Brandon Roy. Danny Brandon Granger. Roy deserves the fucking bread. Yeah. Period. Brand Roy, Randall Danny Granger, Derek Rose, that whole crew. Michael Red, Michael Red. I, I was oh. thinking about that the other day because uh, the 08 uh, men's basketball final from the Olympics was on, and like I, he was just like I don't know, like the 12th man on that team, but he was mm-hmm. out there at the end, like hugging Kobe or someone, and I was just like, damn, this generation doesn't understand how really, really nasty Michael Red was. Dude, Michael Red was a serious problem. Like, just think about, like, how many small market teams actually had legitimate considered all-stars who were getting, like, 20-something a game and then almost all got destroyed by injuries. Because Danny Granger and Michael Red were the same generation. Mm-hmm. And they both were all-stars and, like, getting 20-something a game. Little ones, yeah. all, all jumpers for the most part. <laughs> like, it was like... Damn. Yeah, like, like the Danny next Granger? most athletic person on one of Danny Granger's teams once Reggie retired was like Troy Murphy. 
Yeah, like, I feel like those Paul Pacers teams until they got Jermaine O'Neal. Until they got Paul George too. But you know. Well, yeah, but that was that was later down the line. I'm talking like when Danny Granger was like 07, 08, when, making when all star teams. Was Danny Granger, yeah. Whereas like they spent any time he was in the all star game being like, Yeah, he's dealt with knee injuries again this year. I was like, Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Basically, also there should also be a Tom Thibodeau fund for all the players that he's played for 46 minutes a game. I'm going to say nah, because in, in the NBA, if you're good enough, you can say, fuck that. I ain't doing that. Like, yeah, but like, like, the- well, I remember when he was with the Timberwolves seeing, and maybe it was when he was with the Bulls. I forget. Regardless, there was a moment where four of the top five minutes per game leaders were on his team. Oh, it was the Bulls. He's like, it Jimmy like Butler, Jared I think, was Rose, the only one that was okay. Jimmy- I think it was Jim, yeah, Joakim Noah, Joakim like Noah, Tyrus Todd Thomas. Gibson. Yeah, Todd Gibson, Gibson always played yeah, a lot yeah. of minutes. And he had Kirk Heinrich, who's always playing forever. Like, Kirk Heinrich, shout I thought he was going to still be playing Kirk. until he died. Yeah, shout Kirk out Heinrich had a great career for as long as – like, not a great, like, Hall of Fame career, but almost anybody would take a Kirk Heinrich More career. than like, serviceable. He, more yeah, than and serviceable. he played for, like, 14, 15 years and got a yeah, lot he of came in the He came in the same year as Braun in that whole crew. Crazy. Crazy. And I think he was on a, an Olympic team one time. I think Kurt Heinrich made an 04, Olympic team. maybe. I hope it wasn't 04. <laughs> it wasn't any of the other ones. Because he got picked over somebody, like, really big. Like, really big name, if I'm not mistaken. And they were It pissed. had to have been 04. He was not on 08. Because 08 was CP, kid. I didn't say he played. I said he was on a team. Nah, he, was, he wasn't on that team. I said he was on a team. I didn't say he played. He definitely was not on a... Oh, uh, oh, eight. Um, he was named to the senior national team in oh, six. I would more than guarantee he wasn't, uh, on the oh, eight Olympic team, though. 2008 USA men's Olympic basketball. I could be wrong, I'm just like 98% sure. No, he wasn't there. Yeah, the guards in 08 were Kidd, Darren Williams, Michael Red, D. Wade, Kobe, and CP. He was not making that team. <laughs> I, I would agree, though. Had he made that team, we would have been like, why aren't those other guys there? So, all right, so he got named to the national team, but he never made the actual roster. Yeah, it looks like 06. So he would have been eligible, I guess, but. Wow, crazy. Well, I, I mean, we're coming up to almost game time now, so I'm gonna let you enjoy that. Keep the game is posted. one hour away. We're not coming up to almost anything, but I appreciate the slight passerby, like it was hanging this shit up. So have a good I night. Mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Likewise, you know, I, I got a long drive tomorrow. I gotta edit this, so uh, stop being a little. But he, he, here, <laughs> uh, man, my met. I mean, you gotta be. It's, we just talked about this. Yeah, you gotta stop doing that. Nah, but for real, I think the the message to leave it on is, uh, be intentionally mindful of your surround, not just your surroundings, but the good things that happen to you that you're taking for granted each and every day, and appreciate that life. And I agree with that. And never root for Russia, even if they're flying a different flag. Correct. Yeah, that I feel like that kind of goes without saying, even as an Ivan. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it on that. We out. Peace.